What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Hollywood Already Did It, your weekly movie podcast for adaptations, sequels, uh, reboots, remakes, movies that have been done before and are being done again, and the big question of why. As always, I am your host, Blake Schultz, and with me is my co-host, Terrence Tatum. Hello, everyone. And we are now uh, still in the COVID-19 pandemic, so we are doing this through social distancing. So if there are Skype and internet and audio problems, I assure you it's them and not us. (laughs) So if you think the audio is getting worse, blame somebody who's not wearing a mask. Every time you see them, that's (laughs) the reason our audio is bad. It is their fault. It's their fault. And like, you know, under the nose, they're also at fault. I don't want I don't want any excuses about it. Yeah. Uh, it is, however, the week of July 12th, 2020. And we, for the first time in what feels like weeks, have new movies. And <laughs> yeah. not just one, but right. two. However, yeah. we don't talk about original movies. So Palm Springs is out. And we're talking <laughs> about The Old Guard, the Netflix movie starring Charlie Theron. Written by Greg Rucka, adapted from the comic book that he also wrote, which yeah. is great, and I think really allows for uh, a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about because I think it's very rare that we have a writer get to do their comic and the script of the movie. Probably the closest is Jeff Johns on some of the DC stuff and yeah. people getting to oversee the bigger things, but uh, it's great. What did you think, Terrence? Uh, I was excited about this because it finally gave us a film that actually fits in the wheelhouse of what this podcast is all about. So I was like, cool, we're back. Um, the movie itself, I I enjoyed it. I did not love it. Um, I thought there were some, some issues um, overall. Let me say this. As a director, because she's done mostly, um, Gina's only mostly done like Love and Basketball and Beyond the Lights. She's done a lot of dramas. Genre-wise, it's her first time doing this. I thought she did a really good job. There's some great locale shots and great action sequences. And I think the acting from Charlize, Kiki, and Chiwetel are all really good. My issue with this movie is a lot of the issues that I have with uh, prequel films do it a lot because you kind of know where the character is going to end up in the following film. And this, and it also happens with these type of movies where the characters are so OP, whereas like they have an immunity, they have a healing factor, they're immortal, um, if you will, that the stakes are not that high for me when I watch some of the action sequences because I'm like, oh, well, I know they're going to be okay. Or I know in the end of the day, none of this really matters because they're going to get right back up. So it then becomes just an exercise of me watching scenes happen and there's not much weight or character uh, interest <laughs> that I have for this film. And that's where I get torn because as this movie went along, I was like, oh, these are some cool looking things, but they don't really equate to anything that I would want to revisit this or ever kind of continue on in this world and that sucks uh (laughs) and we'll get into it further but as i especially after i read the adaptation that this was based on my appeal of the movie went even lower (laughs) it's it's a challenge for sure because i think this runs into the problem that a lot of comic book stories run into that the big boys often already have kind of done the idea. This is just an army of Wolverines running around. And I think you're right when you try to impose the kind of stakes into it. And this kind of happened in the MCU and even the DC movies too, where we just sort of 
we know that their cash cows aren't going away. So the comic book movies run into an issue of if it's not a part of a giant universe, but your character heals, you're like, well, they're going to be fine. And if your character is, say, Rhodey in Civil War, but you could make a Disney Plus series about him, you know he's probably going to be okay, too. Yeah, you, like may, you may paralyze him, but he'll be fine. <laughs> you either have characters who are going to get up, or you have characters whose superpower is popularity and a, and a box office bottom line. <laughs> and so, but I think in doing that, it, it allows the movie to create kind of external stakes and ask a lot of interesting thematic questions. I think when you go back to the old Wolverine movies, the trick was never making it about Wolverine. It was more the weight of what that world is. When you go back to him in Japan and see his relationship and what he's struggling with day to day, or even the like alcoholism in X-Men one or the amnesia in X two or getting older and Logan and, the thing about immortal characters is it, and even Superman or Captain America, these people mm -hmm. who are so undefeated is you kind of have to think about what your movie is saying thematically. Right. And I felt that this movie did a very good job of positing a lot of questions about the world, but it didn't really dive as deep as the comic did. But I think when you look at it as just a movie, it did avoid a lot of the pratfalls that I thought it was going to hit. We started with what I thought was the end of the movie, and they're all dead, and they get up, and it's a trap. That ended up being the inciting incident in 20 minutes. I think that's a fantastic trap, because yeah. I hate movies that show me the ending and then are like, before, just start your movie. Yeah. Um, we kind of then kind of went through a lot of the other stuff. We never really fully had to explain that these characters were immortal, that they healed. We sort of got to it quickly. We didn't get too bogged down in this yeah, history in the history of it and with the backdrop of the villain's idea of, I just want to find them and mass produce it. You also set up an interesting villain who isn't so much evil as they are idealistic and that their methods are evil. And we don't really know, right? Cause it's easy to look at it in our world and go, well, he's going to make a cure, but he's going to charge you $1,400 a month to have access to it. Right. Uh, he's not really interested in saving the world. He's interested in money and capitalism, but is using saving the world as his marketing tagline for his plan, because that's what it's quote unquote about, right. uh, which I thought was interesting. You get into a lot of Charlize Theron's character who they kind of made her the, she's just going to brood, but the action in it, kind of made up for it. I loved the CQC, the close combat stuff in the plane. I loved a lot of the ideas that they're not really stronger. They just have decades and millennia of experience there fighting, is. so they know what it is. But right. I thought it was pretty decent. I just, I thought, I felt like it set up a lot of things that the sequel will be more interesting. But it also tackled a lot of my quick things about immortal people where I go, well, can I drown them? Can I do this? Yeah. And they were like, kind of. You can drop somebody in a seal case and they'll keep dying over and over again. Over again which was that that part was fascinating to me as oh that's a cool thing and a just like torturous thing to kind of keep and going. And horrible. Like yeah. what a, just, like, can you imagine? It's, it's, yeah, that's yeah. that's awful. Just to see her gasping for air and then the bubbles stop and then they repeat again. Oh my god, that is terrible. Um, that was really well done. I did like a lot of the action. I think the action sequences were well done. Um, for me, I am not, I was not as sold on the villain as you were. Um, I did like the con 
the concept that they went with with him, but I just felt that he was very. I think for this for this to really work and me kind of to forget some of the stuff that I don't have with the weight of some of the action sequences, I need that villain to be a little bit more on par, not a mirror because I, I hate when that happens too, but a little bit more on par um, physically with them, or at least give the threat that he is in that in their wheelhouse because. When you get to that final sequence, you're like, well, this is, we know what's going to happen here. They're going to just wipe the floor with everybody that's in this in, the, in this building. Um, and so I just wish more had led up to me thinking, even if I don't see it on screen, thinking that there's a chance that this guy, he's a badass or ruthless or just something that uh, doesn't, he comes off more like a, a pansy college prep kid than he does that he should be in the world of where we're in. Well, it felt very Zuckerberg and I feel yeah. like that kind of villain doesn't need to be on their level but you're right it almost would have been good if he had had a like a James Bond sidekick who could do all the physical stuff that they have to get through to get to him right. because and I they don't... sort of give him the his number two but you don't really see them that much because he doesn't really have a moment where he shines um and I think that's why there's just nobody that's on their side that is super has done anything physically enough to justify us. It's all more of a mental game for the most part. And I'm like, well, if we're showing these badasses kicking so much behind, I think we need to have somebody who's physically imposing enough to them as well. Right. No, I, I, that makes sense. And instead you kind of get the gauntlet of, of regular gun wielding <laughs> villains, but yeah. to kind of that same degree, if they can just get up, then to me, I'm like, well, then you don't really need somebody who can oppose them physically. You need somebody right. who's, gonna do it and similar to the MacGuffin in the movie you know there is no power stone or glowing rock to go get the MacGuffin really is the why and the mm -hmm. history and what we're really chasing in this movie is the like are our lives important which I felt needed to be a bit stronger because about halfway through the movie I just didn't fully understand what we were fighting for other than to survive but also they want to die so yeah. Yeah. a part of me felt that you almost needed a um, a cipher from the Matrix type character who wanted it to end. And you kind of got that with the guy who betrays them, right? Where right. he is, I want out. I want it to stop. I want to die. Just let me be the experiment and let's figure it all out. And then we can really understand it. I wish that had gone a little bit deeper into his reasoning. But we spent yeah. so much time on Charlie Theron and on all the other characters that there wasn't really time to do it, which right. when you're a Netflix movie, I don't understand why time is a problem at all. Why time is a construct or why are you even bothering with it? Like this easily could have been, especially since this wasn't a movie that was made for cinemas and then got put on Netflix. This is specifically made for Netflix. So you can go in and do whatever you want with time. If you want it to be a three hour epic, or if you literally want to be like, I'm going to break this into two volumes and come back in two weeks, we'll release the second part. You have that option. And that's where I get, a little upset with some of the stuff that they chose not to put in because you're right i think that flip the terms that they have or the the about faces that they have for characters they're they're good but they're so surface level when i think that if you think about what was what's in the adaptation which we'll get on to in a little bit or uh you could have made this a lot more headier and got into some really philosophical things on both sides for andy's character and for the rest of the team then i'm like oh that would have been more interesting to see than what we got, which is kind of a, 
<laughs> I it's hate to say this. Watered down. It's a little watered. It's the it's the Ready Player One book to movie version of pretty much of what we get here. I'm like, yeah, this is the watered down. Well, I don't like, think it's that different. It's I think not Ready Player One's adaptation was poof. <laughs> <laughs> a whole different idea. That's. I but I, I after reading that there are some fundamental. Just it doesn't seem like the the the, the comics volume one through five are very much close to what we get on screen, but there are just some some super fundamental things that they remove that I'm thinking, oh, you took this and made the the shortcut version that we can kind of get on like a, uh, a ABC, ABC as opposed to like Netflix. And I was just, I don't know why, I don't know why that decision was made when you're using the same writer. That That's where I get confused. I'm like, hey, the writer is the same. Why are we cutting active things that would have made this a better movie out. I think part of it is the promise of more. I think in a way this yeah. movie kind of plays itself like a pilot. It does, very you, much. You get a chance to rewrite your own, excuse me, you get a chance to rewrite your own story and a lot of the changes in this adaptation aren't giant. There's one giant thematic one that I think they're saving but a lot of this are almost course corrections. I know he, they mentioned in an interview that he originally had the new girl that they discover as very much a plot device and the character that we were just going to see the world through her eyes, your, your rogue in the original X-Men, if you mm -hmm. will, and have her kind of be the MacGuffin and we're going to see it. And it gave a chance to give her a backstory and flesh her out a little bit more and, and, change some of the ethnicities around and make a little bit more diversity. The, a lot of those characters flipped over to non-white and he also got some of his own way of imposing the uh, homosexual relationship in the movie and keeping that there and dealing with sexuality and sex in general, which a lot of comic book movies don't really do at all. Yeah. Yeah. Even if it's there, it's just kind of, it's I very romantic. It is very romantic. And I love the fact that they kept, they ke I love the fact that they kept Niles Black. And I love the fact that they kept that sexual relationship between the two, uh, the two men on the team in there. The thing that I, I did, I, I sort of get it because I know when you, you don't want to always overly sexualize women, but I do think the one thing that I thought off jump that I could immediately see that they pulled out from the adaptation to the film is the fact that Andy was overtly sexual and was kind of sleeping away, sleeping through and, and around with everyone. Like she's like, oh, I'm sleeping with the population and all of this good stuff. Um, I think that's important to put in though, because you can further see that she's been doing this so long and she's probably in the relationship that she has in the, in the comic book but she's been doing this so long that she needs to just feel some form of humanity. And she's searching actively to find that, that peace that she had in that relationship that she had to let go. And she's doing it now just through random ways of sex that gives her another, without having to always lay everything out, you sort of add another layer to her character. Be like, Oh, got it. She is hurting and searching. And it makes some of the stuff where she about turns in her part, her partner turns on her, makes more sense then because you're kind of like oh when he's like you get why i'm doing this because you've been trying to die i'm trying to just end it all anyway uh and and you can you're trying to search for that one piece of life you should understand why i kind of turned my back on you guys and 
while he says it in the film, it doesn't hold as much weight because we didn't kind of put all the breadcrumbs on Andy's side down to get there. Yeah, that I mean, I think a lot of their arcs have that because you get Charlie's Theron's of I'm done and I want to die, but I find something to live for, which is kind of her impact on history and all the things she's done. And then she, you know, quote unquote, hires this guy to find the things and we're going to go stop the adventures and we can do it forever. And you get her to see all of these people around her die in a similar way with Wolverine and mm-hmm. the Wolverine specifically, that it doesn't really matter what relationships you have. And then she starts to kind of come around to not believing that. But yeah. in the book, we really dive into that more. And I think as a result, there's a lot of tell just, we're just saying it. Like the biggest one to me is they have that, cool throwaway line where it's like so the good guys well it depends on the century yeah and you're like "Ooh, how fun <laughs> what does that mean like were they running around with nazis or like just on the wrong side of history sometimes did one of them kill jfk like what what does that really mean and there aren't any flashbacks really in the movie there's a couple but none of them focus on that the ones right. we get are sort of just there to show these bigger battles and how often they've been fighting the good fight. And sometimes, just sometimes, we would go back to other countries and a part of me went, but Charlie Theron's very white. Where is she originally from? And Super. why is she now in like Asia and in the Middle East? And I get that she's lived forever and is going to all these places, but like it kind of had a Jesus in the Bible vibe where that, that man's not white. <laughs> like, right. It did. Um and I mean that's and that's part of the the, the book too. I, it's it's weird because I part of me doesn't want flashbacks, but at the same time, just because there's so much history, is some of these things have to be. I, I I laughed because I said at the very beginning that this film didn't have stakes, and there's there's an easy way to do this just based on the flashbacks that they have in the, in the book. You could easily just show that at the top she was around, kind of do like a Highlander quick five minute thing before you bring in the credits and just show like what she was doing before she found the rest of the team. Cause she's been here forever. And I think for me, what needed to be established at the very beginning, there's a, um, just to put on her age is that this, the book goes on to say that there are, there was a, a person who was of immortal, um, powers who did die after being like 3000 years old and he just died because after a while he was just so old that his power just it just stopped working and i think if you establish that at the very beginning and then kind of put an idea that uh andy is older than everybody else then that sort of makes it like oh she could this could be her last death and if you establish that at the very beginning i'm like sweet then i know that there's not these people just don't get up all the time and because she's 3000 and then we learn eventually that she's even older than that you're like oh she could just go at any point in time this could be her last one i was gonna say that is where the stakes come from right because they right. show us the guy who dies and it says oh it's my time but they right. never fully explain if it's like magic or ability or if it does just get older like an organ they just kind of assume that you figure it out and you can right. but it takes us a long time to shoot her and then have the kind of stakes be we have to save her right i almost wish that they had moved that up to the middle and we were just Agreed. dealing with like a wounded charlie Theron yeah. for a lot longer in the movie uh and getting her kind of mended because then even when she finds out all the things she's done in history that have helped 
if she figures it out while she's dying, that's a much more emotional moment for it Right, and it gives her a reason. If she figures that out while she's dying, it gives her a reason to like, shit, I need to stay alive. Because otherwise, in my brain, based on what we've seen from this film so far, if she realized that she can die, she's just going to go ahead and die because she doesn't want to be there anymore. Like, she's established all this time that I don't want to live anymore. So if I then realize that, oh, shit, the next time that I die, I, that'll be it, then she's just going to go jump in front of a car. <laughs> like, you have to yeah, give her... <laughs> you're done, right? Like, right. at that point... Uh, but man, some of it, again, I liked the brutal action. I liked the end, but these other big changes, I think the biggest one is the relationship that we don't get to see with Andy, which would have been great. To that, yeah. It's, I wonder, and I mean, the movie, I don't think ever had it, but I wonder if it's harder to do now because I think we often kind of hear this notion of do we need everything to be like a slave movie and go back to this? But we start this movie with like modern slavery and human trafficking and how opposed she is to it. And in the comic, we know that she was hunting down slaves for a while, which also goes into the depends on the century, right or wrong. And we get to see her come around to like what's good and what isn't. Right. So it's, a bummer that that's not there because I think that's one of the more challenging themes in the book. Yeah. And I think that's one of the more challenging ideas when you connect it to modern time because it's very rare that we get to have a character who's on the wrong side of history but gets to redeem themselves and then be on the right side of it. And, and like the fact that he, in the comics, he just didn't care or even ask questions about the fact that she wasn't getting older when he was. I was like, oh, that's fascinating. Like, he's like, look, and that's, that's a part of being somebody whose like life has just been taken away from him for so long. He's kind of just like, I don't care what it is you, who you are, or what you're going through, all of that stuff. That's irrelevant to me right now in this moment. I am happy. I'm at peace. We're in love. This is all that we need. And so it's heartbreaking in the book to be like, I love you, but you need to leave because if you don't, people are going to start asking questions why this super old black man is hanging around this 30 something looking year old white woman. Like this is just going to be odd and you have to leave. And she knew she had to leave. I was like, oh, that is crushing. And it makes, it would make her being so broken in the film just automatically make more sense. You're like, oh God, I get it. Like you just don't care about anything anymore. Um, and I think that would have been a, another part for me that I really thought from the books should have been in there. And it's a simple thing because this this would have changed how I felt about the villain as a whole. You can even almost end the way, end everything else the exact same way. There's a scene when uh, the villain gets the two, after he, he captures them and he gets the two of them, he basically plays pincushion with them. Like he says, I'm a ruthless man. He just stabs them for sport. Like he keeps killing them over and over and over and over and over again, just to show that he kind of can. And I think that, ruthlessness and that craziness would have been that that switch that I would have been like ah this dude's not all together here um and I now am kind of fascinated by this villain more so than I am what we actually got on the screen and I don't know why you would pull that from that it doesn't really change anything else with anyone else's structure I like I don't know why that was actually just removed from the film yeah that never made sense to me because it's already pretty violent so right. to kind of lean back on some of the other violence I'm like <laughs> but just you go all the way in or showed that bone get broken out. That's right. pretty intense. We could yeah. have seen, cause it would have made it a little bit more tough, I guess, 
to really figure out. Because when you look at his plan on paper, it is just, I want your bones and your marrow and your blood to heal everybody. Right. And he just keeps yelling, think of all the people you can save over and over again. Yeah. But I, we never really got a sense that he was evil outside of the fact that he has to kill them to do it. Right. There never really was any precedent that his company like had, you know, we didn't know that he had a Wu-Tang album that nobody else was ever going to listen to because he <laughs> bought it and is selling pills at <laughs> right. higher the cost. Um, I think we needed, and I'm kind of glad that we changed him from the big tatted up doing push-ups in the office yeah, guy. That I'm, that I'm fine with. That's, that's a, very like, well, all right, comic book right, villain, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Uh, but it's interesting because I think we sort of suspect now that a lot of these CEOs and billionaires are doing unethical things behind closed doors and stealing our data and all of this other stuff that I, I go, well, I want to see this guy really be bad. Yeah. I really want to see the like the Final Fantasy VII remake that deals with some of the same stuff of, oh, well, they're doing all these human experiments. Walk through this room and look at all these horrible, horrible things. Right. Uh, that they're going through and really test out their healing, like cut them open. We see this guy's guts in the beginning and his stomach is blown out. Like, why aren't we getting weird? Cut out an organ and see if it grows back. Can right. we just harvest them like they're corn? Yeah. Like, what are the limits of it? And when you see him doing that, you really do see why he has to be stopped mm -hmm. especially if he's not going to give it to everybody if it is just i'm going to sell it for profit right which again is like evil but it's not that evil like we're gonna always sell drugs and, for profit right, like, and not unlike what a lot of the world is doing anyway so they're like we're they run these clinical trials and run these tests anyway for this so you're kind of just like he's just taking it to us a much higher extreme, but he's not doing things that aren't happening anyway. And I was like, oh, that would be much better to watch, I think. It would have kind of given him a, a, a layer that I think just just a small layer of this villain on the in the film needed. Because even when you get to James's story and we deal more with his wife and how awful it was yeah. when she died and what he had to go through, and he's doing this to prevent that from happening to other people, you really kind of start to realize that he's he's a good person who went through something and is now complicit with this evil company. So he's going to have to like have his own redemption arc. Right. I just really want to see them get as evil as we can. Make. Yeah. And like, and I think that's the thing with me and, and Chucho and, and, and Copley is that like, especially the way they ended, they basically make him be like the, the Bosley now of the team. <laughs> um, but like, what was, what's weird is like, I don't know if we actually earned the right, for him to be redeemed, if that makes sense. Like the film didn't make it seem like what he did by turning them in and getting them and basically hunting them down didn't seem like enough of a, a you, I see where you're coming from, cool, come help us out type of moment. Um, and that's a lot of that is because a lot of the stuff that Andy had was removed. Like I think if Andy had the backstory with her husband in there, then her, him saying, I watched my my wife die would have hit and made more sense. And then I'm like, oh, cool. That's why she's now was connecting with him. Well, you would have been able to parallel the themes a little bit more of this woman who was doing horrible, horrible things to nice people and then came around right. to him now kind of having a similar arc in a modern Correct. time. Right. But what was also strange to me was he had his big 
you know, connecting dots, conspiracy theory board. And they look at it and they go, wow, you figured out all the moments in history where we made a difference, which means you can help us figure out the moments that we can change now. He, he doesn't have any predictive ability. Is this in my Yeah, he's not like sitting there connecting dots and being like, guys, go do this and it'll prevent World War Three. Yeah, it's the one thing that I think is sort of the disconnect between Rucka's work and Rucka's screenplay is that the old guard, when he wrote it, technology was had not really caught up. So the cell phone, like they were all still kind of learning that. And you can tell that we're now existing in a world where it's going to be a lot easier to find these guys in history than it would have been back in the day. So, but the predictive part of that doesn't make sense in any version of those. You're like, well, we don't, we haven't gone to a point now where we can see where these are going to happen. Like this isn't how this works. (laughs) And that was another bigger thing I wanted them to dive more into was this concept of how the world had changed. Cause she, again, kind of says it, of, oh, well, I thought we did such a good job staying in the shadows, but here you found us in the 1600s, and now there are cell phones everywhere. We can't stay hidden anymore. We might as well reveal ourselves. And I liked that idea, but I almost wanted there to be a bigger, like, oh, moment about it of this, like, well, we just don't care anymore. Take the photos, do whatever. I still, I think it was Heroes that did that when the cheerleader was like, F it, everybody's going to see me. And she just jumped off the top of the, like, the um, when they were at the circus, just jumped off the top of the building while people were, were, were recording it. I'm like, yep, I'm just going to show who we are. Yeah, that was a great way to end a, a series that, you know, wasn't very good. It used to be okay. <laughs> that season was great. <laughs> right. And I liked the last season, but the road to get there was pointless. Very difficult. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and I think, so it's funny because some of those changes when we talk about like, oh, what are they doing and are they updating it? And I think we could have done more to really build up these characters. And I wonder if we're saving that for the sequel, because I just feel like it's, I don't think Netflix makes a movie unless it's the Irishman or to five bloods. They either make movies to win awards or they make movies so that they can make them forever. They don't really just like, I guess Spencer confidential is the exception to that rule. (laughs) Um, Cause extraction is going to obviously get a bunch more. Right. We're going to keep making these like we're, we're looking for franchises here yeah. or looking for Oscar movies. That's kind of what we're doing. Yeah. Uh, and I get it. That's the model. But I wonder how much of the good stuff they were saving, because you could almost do an entire movie of her in that slavery time with that relationship to build up. Which is very much what they could do. Like they could literally be like, all right, at the top half of this next film, we're going to spend the first 30 minutes just diving into what Andy came into. And then it kind of makes her being, her not having her immortality anymore hit harder when you come back into like, all right, now present day. Um, Because the movie has kind of hit on a lot of things that are going on now, both in the industry and in the world. It's funny watching a movie about a cure that everyone could use, but we don't, but capitalism Right. Where we're going, we need a vaccine or a cure. Capitalism is going to make it accessible or inaccessible, which either means you're a hero or a villain. Right. And I think when you really look at it through that lens, it almost makes the movie 
more evil because you do just have these Weasley people at the top of companies being like, but the money <laughs> aren't doing push-ups in their boardrooms and look like they're sociopathic like this guy oh, did. Scott, like, right. like, oh, Mr. Dudley did. And then when you kind of even take the online side of our world where we are digging up people's pasts and demanding more of them, We've, we've kind of changed the narrative of quote-unquote cancel culture, which isn't real. Uh, otherwise, half the people that we've done it to would be gone. Would not be keep coming uh, back. <laughs> but the narrative now is, well, if they go away, figure out what they did, learn from it, and come back and are better, well, we're open to that idea. Unless you're so awful that you need to that, – that's what – in a perfect world, what a prison system would be. It would be a rehab and a reformation and putting you back into society having learned. And when you now have these characters who literally are on the right or wrong side of history in their own history, now being the heroes, this is really the first time, and it's not in the movie, it's in the comic. I can't think of any other heroes that were like, well, for a while she hunted slaves outside yeah. of our founding fathers. But Yeah, and I think, I mean... It's dangerous because you don't want to completely take away the good things that she has done. But at the same time, I do think you need to kind of just say, in this time, this is who she was. And like, this is where she was until she found love with someone who she didn't realize, like, oh, all the shit that I done was I had done was terrible. Um, and I think it's, it's touching now. You're right. Because of the way that the world is, I don't know how much of that you can do and not piss people off. I think it helps that the director herself is is black and a, a, a person of color, so it kind of makes this, all right, maybe we can kind of do this with some finite, uh, with a, a delicate hand, but I do think it's necessary to kind of fully flesh out Andy, because look, and, and we've read comics and we've done these superhero things enough that we also know that we don't want our heroes to be completely vanilla. Like, we want them to have some, it's good when they have a little bit of mud or blood on their hands. Um, that makes them more human. And the reality is growth is important. And where one of the places we learn about growth and personal growth is in our media. It is better to watch a character who did something bad and came back because I think it shows people who might be bad in some ways or make, you know, some blue collar jokes that aren't funny or be problematic. They might just be able to go, oh, well, maybe... I also can one day go, look, that's who I was then, and I stopped, and I realize it, and I've I've evolved myself, and I've really taken... Now, we don't all have centuries to do it, so you gotta right. kind of, you know, you figure it out in the 50 to 80 years you have on the planet, yeah. but it's important to look at that lens, because right now, really, the best we have are characters like Wolverine, who are immortal, and are like, oh, the weight... He's like, well, what did you do that was so bad? And he's like, I went to war. And you're like, okay, well, you weren't a Nazi. So right. like, you just were in a war. And he's like, oh, but the things I did there, like this one time I fell in love and she died in my arms. <laughs> it's like, well, Netflix is giving us this R-rated lens of that, where instead of it just being I fell in love, it really is I was on the wrong side of history and now I'm – and then we found all of the places where I was on the right side of history, and we've learned that maybe the good eventually can outweigh the bad right. systematically. It's, it's I think, a very important idea. And I think the other thing the movie does very well, that they're just 
Netflix is really doing better than anybody else in Hollywood is the diversity. You mentioned the director being a female person of color, which is just something that, you know, you look at Star Wars when Kathleen Kennedy was like, it's important to get multiple voices behind this camera, but I'm going to hire the same straight white man twice. Going to do all straight white men. Yeah, to, to give a person of color, a female person of color, an action film, a high budget action film for, for Netflix is pretty impressive. Like that's, that's ballsy. And I don't think it's really no one else kind of doing that. Even if, even if they do give a female director, it's going to always be uh, the same, the same two people, Patty Jenkins and then the end. <laughs> well, and even the characters, you have a, a non heteronormative relationship. You have a lot of characters that are, fluid in their sexuality you have yeah. everybody looks and feels different and comes from a different part of the world and it makes them all feel unique it feels and like, even it feels like a current lived in world it's why like the new spider-man movies felt better than the old ones because it looks like a high school in new york right uh, like a john hughes movie yeah but it took from john hughes movies and it made it great <laughs> yes it was awesome yeah and it's uh, funny watching Netflix run circles around these other studios with these ideas and these shows that are building diversity and dealing with things nobody else is really dealing with. And it's it's funny because it's, you know, it was the number one trending thing that week. It's not like people rejected it because no. of this. Right. They, it, they either didn't care or they embraced it. So, like, maybe it's time to get a Star Wars movie with a black female director or a queer lead or a character that isn't a Skywalker. Right. I also think it's important to give kudos to, because I know this is Skydance, but it's also Skydance slash Denver and Delilah, which is Charlize's production company. For her to, like, she also has to go out there and like, I want this woman to be my director. I want Kiki Lane to be my co-star. Like, I, I am choosing as me being quote-unquote straight white woman i am i want my production to have a person of color as my director my lead to be that and i want everything else to be i want chewy because the character that chewy tail plays is straight up white in the book they're like nope i want to i want to mix all of this up and i and i think that also goes to who she is as a person as much as it does uh netflix they probably all did this together but they're like we actively don't want this to be an all-white cast yeah and those are the things that you have to start thinking about right like i think a lot of these studios aren't not thinking about diversity but they it's a lot easier to do it when you force yourself to do it otherwise you are just going to accidentally fill up a room in a script with people that are different because it's candidly as, as a writer it's just easier to write what you know and if you don't right. feel like doing the homework and talking to the people of color and you're just going to end up having these watered down like black characters for white audiences or LGBTQ characters for straight audiences where it's just sort of there, but instead of really being a, a character person that's written in the script is like, and then we introduce this character. What's his deal? He's black. <laughs> right. And that's like the end of the character development. Yeah. But it's um, like, well, that's not really the identity. That's just the ethnicity. <laughs> right. And I think it's it's always weird because we always run into this like you you're right. You you typically write what you know. So if you're um and this is how they kind of probably got around this. If you are a Greg Rucker who's white, if you're a writer who's white and you write it and you're like, cool, I don't really particularly care or it, I'm not set on what these ethnicities are, but I just wrote them all of how I would speak, you would then have to think in your brain, like, all right, cool. If I don't care what these are and I'm 
casting colorblindly. I need to get whoever the director is to be someone of a person of color so that they can look at this through a different lens than what I'm writing. That way, the few moments where I'm like, ah, uh, yes, anybody of any color would say that, but they might say this a little differently or, or respond to this a little differently if they are a person of color. If you have a director who is from the other side, they will be able to kind of like, this is what we need to do to just switch this up just a bit. And I think that's important to do collaborative. I, I, I want to be clear, I don't also want it to all be one person of color or all white. But I think you need to to make this work and be the world that we live in. You need to do a mishmash and everybody needs to kind of understand that. Yeah, it's a collaborative effort. It isn't right. just one guy at the helm. It requires it requires Rucka to go. The gay relationship was important and we're not changing it. And whoever else made the calls to do all these other things to do it and everyone to just go. All right. Like what? Like, yeah. What does Netflix have to lose? Nothing. They're, they're right. Billions like we, of subscribers. We have a film that we have Charlize Theron like dead smack in the middle of all our posters. Like we have her. Let's just do whatever the hell we want. The audience is going to come. They knocked <laughs> out the floor is lava at the number one spot. So again, it's. it's I don't know how many times we need to see these results before people just go, all right, well we'll we'll just do it. Yeah, like this is just what we're going to do. But it's you know. I thought it was a great first step. I'm excited to see the sequel because I also really like the character who's thrown underwater and died forever. It is that bad. is the one part of this that is like, I'm intrigued to see how she responds. Cause she could be a, like, if she ends up being the villain, which I think that is kind of where we're going with that. I think she would be fascinating. Cause I'm like, look, yeah, this woman is tortured. She's been going through pure hell for thousands of years. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm excited to see what they do. It's one of the first movies in a while that set up a sequel <clears throat> and presumed it would get a sequel without me being like, ugh, let's just get to that first. Because they really, even this idea that they can dream and sense each other, which was very Dr. Sleep, yeah. uh, I didn't feel like we did enough with it. So now that we have these two characters that are on the other side, I'm like, oh, are they just going to beak into each other? And, and it's, it's weird because... I also don't think they did enough with it. And it's, it's a couple of threads that are lost from film to book. But in the book, because um, Niles, Kiki Lane's character, actually asks, can't, if we can see each other in our dreams, why don't we just do that all the time to find the other one? And apparently, in the book, it is stated that they can only do that when the first one is her powers, their powers are first given. So you can then connect. But we can't connect to beacon each other out outside of the first time that they're introduced. I'm like, oh, that's a interesting thing. What if it's good to know? Thing. Because when they all got kidnapped, I was like, just take a nap. There are a lot of moments like that that I'm like, oh, guys, if you just tell us that, we can kind of, I won't be so hard on the rest of your film because some things just don't make sense if you've established that they can just dream about each other. <laughs> well, that yeah. was the, you know, that's where I was like, oh, well, all, most of Doctor Sleep was them just trying to connect to each other and figure out where they were. And right. why don't we have some of these sequences happening? And why don't we know all this other stuff? And yeah. But it's cool. I mean, they've, they've developed a world that I'm really excited to see how it progresses because they've done kind of the it's not like, you know, masks and suits and Avengers superheroes. It's but a it little bit grounded. Right. So I'm, it's we don't have a lot of those kind of superhero franchises. So I'm excited to see how it grows and what else it does. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm. I think the, the the killer for me is just to see where her old partner comes. And that's the one plot that I have on, I can hang on to. The film itself, and also now that she is not immortal, 
going in, that helps out a lot too to get rid of my problems that I had with the stakes. It makes it like, oh crap, she now actually, there is a little bit more weight on what happens to her and with her uh, this time around. Yes. <laughs> I think that is our show, guys. Thank you for listening. Stay safe and inside yes. and masked. Um, you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash group slash Hollywood already did it. We're on Twitter at Hollywood ADI. You can leave us a review on iTunes. I'm at, as always, Blake, and Terrence is at Terrence Tatum, and we will see you next week. Later.